Attention. Raging review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ragin' Review Podcast. Nick, Jerry, in their Astros attire, and myself. Lots of news tonight, lots of stuff to get to, so let's let's get down to business. Uh, before we do that, though, I got to tell you guys, I watched the game last night. Not an Astros fan, but I know we're kind of in solidarity here. And I, li- I love Jerry's throwback, by the way. Um, McCullers was clearly tipping pitches. What the hell is Dusty Baker doing? And I'll give you guys the floor. Shell's ended it up, man. Um, I don't know. I, that, that's a great question. All I know, I, I don't even want to talk about last night. All I know is that a saint from the city of Houston was verbally assaulted at the game last night. I did not know who Mattress Mac was till I moved to Houston. Dude's a big deal. Dude is like a saint, and he got verbally assaulted by some Phillies fans. So in my opinion, there's no way they win the series at this point. Like, it's over, in my opinion. I think we got it because God's looking over St. Mattress Mac. (laughs) (laughs) It's all yours, Jerry. Oh, well, uh, yeah, that was a big no-no. I saw that video on Twitter, and and Mattress Mac, he, he don't play that. Uh, it doesn't matter how old he is. Doesn't matter if he's he's a little more on the frail side. He he definitely has a mouth on him. So uh, he he don't put up with no nonsense. But really, I, it's typical. Look, I love Dusty Baker, but sometimes he likes to ride his pitchers a little too much. I mean, Lance McCullers is throwing home run derby as early as the first or second inning and kept him in. Kept him in. I guess he wanted to ride him for a little bit and save his bullpen for later. But you know, when they start teeing off on all these curveballs and breaking being over the plate it's the world series man you know that's going to happen from time to time but when you give up how many home runs did he give up last night like four at that point it's time to five (laughs) yeah man at that look at the first inning he throws one over i forgot who said it on the broadcast but they're like dude they said bryce harper chases the first few pitches and what does McCullers do he hangs a curveball right over the plate hangs it and just no doubt or the second the ball hits the bat and I'm just I'm screaming at the TV like why are you hanging it up but well at the saw, same time you got to hit the ball too and when, uh, I, when I saw Harper go back in the dugout and he started you know whispering to the next guy I'm like he's tipping pitches and I when mean, the, it, it like yes, clockwork it, it was know? so obvious like if you got on Twitter in the second inning people were saying he's obviously tipping pitches look at his leg kick look at his leg kick and as soon as I read that you can look at you can look at the screen and see that's exactly what he was doing you knew when the breaking ball was coming so yeah it was it was tough that's a tough scene five homers in a World Series game 
look, my team's sitting at home. I can't say anything, but it was tough. It was tough. And I'm not a Phillies fan. In fact, I think they have the worst fans in, in all of sports, not necessarily just Major League Baseball. I think Philly fans suck. So, By the way, if people don't know who Mattress Mac is, give us 10 seconds on old Mattress Mac. Somebody, Nick. I mean, I can mattress Mac is just, he, he owns a furniture store. He bets like a thousand billion million dollars on every world series. Yeah, and on that. every promotion is like, listen here, here's the be there. And that's it. That's mattress Mac in a, in a nutshell. Listen, H town. I need you to support my betting habits. So buy some stuff. <laughs> Even cooler though. Mattress Mac. That, that man must sell a lot of furniture to be able to. Well, that's just it. If you buy furniture for him throughout the year and the Astros win, you get it free. So he hedges that bet by by betting in Vegas. So either way, he's a winner. I mean, it's genius. He can't lose. Legend. This is something that we're excited to announce, uh, something we've kind of been sitting on over the past, I don't know, four or five weeks. After we, we had the interview with Andre Jones a couple of weeks back, uh, we had a continuing relationship with Gordon McKernan, injury attorneys, and uh, they've decided to take a chance on us. They've decided to make a, a pretty substantial investment in the program, which we're very happy about. Uh, so we would like to formally announce our partnership with Gordon McKernan, injury attorneys. Uh, they've got a year-long sponsorship with Rage and Review. Uh, we're going to put together uh, some uh, other initiatives. We're going to get involved with some charity and uh you know obviously we're gonna have continuing opportunities to interview players and there'll be lots of stuff that you guys can look forward to and uh we're super excited about it they've been fantastic to work with their entire team has been very gracious uh they're very they're very complimentary of our program and obviously the show so we wanted to give them a big shout out say that we really appreciate the opportunity to work with their team we're excited about the future and what we're going to be able to do with that investment and uh you know overall just we're humbled that a brand like Gordon McKernan would want to do business with us. So I wanted to say thank you to them. Uh, thank you to Lauren Lane, Alex Ludwig, really good people to work with, uh, super fired up about the partnership. Guys, if you have any thoughts, we'll do that, and then we'll announce our second partner as of now. No, I got, I got jacked up when you told me this was all going down because for years living in Baton Rouge, I drive by that big G that looked like a nightclub, right? And then now it does it's look like, like a necklace. Hey, we're part of, we're part of the G family, baby. So that was exciting. Super. Yeah, look, this is the first sponsorship I think we have while while I joined you guys, and I, I don't think they could be better partners. They've been awesome so far. I agree, and I t- I told Alex that I would say this. We got Gordon. We got it done. So that we're part of the G <laughs> team. We're part of the G men. We're fired up and G ladies. We're getting some swag. We we're def- get some swag. We were promised a cooler full of swag. And and this is straight out of their lips. They said, this is good stuff you want to wear. So if you guys turn on Razor Review and you see the Get Gordon logo on the shirt, don't be surprised. We're part of the team. We're proud parts of the team. So And backwards caps are coming back. 100%. It's, In fact, I have a G on it. We, 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 that's the next thing. We got to get with Al and say, look, what we need to do is we need to get the backward hat thing going with the, with the logo that you can only wear backwards so we can... Get Cajun Vic's approval. That'll be yes, a lot indeed. of fun. <laughs> well, the G's perfect for me. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'll take it all day. Yeah, we we got to get some kind of exclusive sponsorship for Man, I Tell You What. It could be the Man, I Tell You What segment sponsored by the G team. Something like that. Done. We'll Done. figure it out. We're pretty creative over here. Apologize uh, about the technical difficulties, but I think I seem to have it working. So, let's keep our fingers crossed for my primitive internet connection here Nary, uh, jerry's over there with net zero <laughs> stay <laughs> off the landline kayla stay off the landline <laughs> um and so so anyway guys we're happy to have gordon on, on board and uh, we're fired up for the future our second partnership that we'd like to 
uh, to announce to everybody is Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Darren Domingue's been a fan of the show for a long time. He approached Jerry Baseball last year, so it's been a work in progress over the last few months. Uh, so Darren Domingue and the team are now part of Raging Review. If you guys have any type of uh, remodeling situation, you need a roof, you need anything like that, give him a call, Darren Domingue at Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. They can basically do anything. Super happy to uh, be in business with those guys. Uh, Darren is about as good as a guy you can possibly hope to work with. He's down to earth, huge Cajuns fan. You can find him. Uh, what's that? One. Uh, he's got a loge box up above 110 uh, directly to the right. So if you want to go bother him, go holler at him and his his clan over there at the Teague. Um, super happy to be doing business with them. And uh, there will be more partnerships coming, working on some other things. But as of now, we've got some fantastic business partners that have invested into Rage and Review. They believe in the, pro- the product. They believe in the program. So we're going to keep this thing pushing forward. So happy about all that stuff. And by the way, congratulations on Jerry really made that happen. So let's give him a little, little, hand, little hand clap there. That's all UG. Good job. <laughs> hey, it's all about relationships, right? We talk about it all the time. Well, not, and you know, not to mention, uh, you know, Darren came up to me and approached me about it. So it, it's a, it's a compliment to all of us. So when somebody or a local business owner comes up to you and says, I want to sponsor you because I like what you do. That's not just me, you know, putting forth the effort, happening to hap happening, happened to see him at a baseball game and he approached me, but really it's all of us. It's a team effort and, and the work that we all do. So to you guys as well, you deserve just as much credit as I do for, for closing this deal. I think I deserve more because he's a domain and we stick together. So, you know, exactly. there you go. got to be related in the name. You know what <laughs> it is? Be. You know what it is? He heard your voice over the PA back in the day and he just realized, you know what? I have to. There, there's a connection there. I, I see. I see something that it has to be done. We have sure to do something did. about that. I'm sure he did. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever oh, it takes, man. whatever it takes. So speaking of go. approaching others for for services, uh, the UCF Knights have just announced that the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will visit the Bounce House in 2027. Uh, that's September the 18th, 2027 to be exact. It will be a Big 12 game, so right now it's it's a G5 matchup, but in five years, obviously, they'll be in the Big 12, and they'll probably be doing just fine in the Big 12 because Terry Mahajer has that thing rolling. He's a great athletic director. He's got vision. Uh, and Orlando's just pumping out money and dumping it right in that program. So uh, UCF will probably be on an upward trajectory. Uh, they are 4-0 against us as it stands now, so we'll be looking to get our first victory against Central Florida. So that'll be an opportunity, but uh, they're going to pay the Cajuns $1.3 million. It is a money game to go visit the UCF Knights and try to get that victory. Um, I have some conflicting feelings on it. We didn't get the return trip. Not thrilled about that. Not sure how that whole thing went down. Don't know what the negotiations look like. I would think as what I would like to call a peer at this moment, uh, I, I would like to see a home-and-home, home, maybe a two-for-one. I know that Brian Maggard's not necessarily in the two-for-one game. I think it should be done, especially with a team like UCF. But that's one man's opinion. Um, your guys' thoughts on playing UCF and, and how the schedule actually played out. And Jerry, we'll start with you on, on the UCF nights. Well, first of all, I had the chance to travel down there when I was a student manager. Um, I actually, we, we went down to UCF, I think on game 
the, maybe the fifth game of the year. And so I got to tour the facility. And then, of course, the bounce house was a little bit on the newer side when I went because they used to play at the old Citrus Bowl. And uh, they built that stadium. Holds about forty to 45,000. Perfect size. You know, the fans really show, show up and show out. They're loud. Uh, you have the entire student section jumping up to Zombie Nation. And it's just a great atmosphere altogether. Uh, not to mention, they do have money. Uh, their facilities are first class. I mean, it's, you know, everybody would debate, you know, well, if UCF played in this conference, it'd be a lot harder for them to win. Well, they were, to me, they're pri- they were prime real estate for a few P5 conferences. I think they could have fit in the SEC. I think they could have fit in the Big 12. I think they would have been a good fit for the ACC. So luckily they found a place uh, to call home in the Big 12 for the next few years. I think the Big 12 hit a jackpot in spite of uh, Texas and OU leaving. I think uh, UCF was a fantastic replacement. And, you know, in the next few years, hopefully if our football program continues to rise, we could compete with them and go toe-to-toe. I remember... Uh, Mike or Coach Dez, when he was quarterback, he went in for Jerry Babb in 2005. Jerry Babb gets hurt in the first drive. They go in when they're playing UCF, and we were down 21 0 at, at Cajun Field. And Coach Dez, as I believe he was a freshman, a redshirt freshman, came in at quarterback, led the team. To, to close to a win, uh, it was 21-21, and then, of course, Central Florida kicked the uh, the game-winning field goal, but we actually had a few good matchups with them, but the matchup I remember was when we traveled to UCF, and I got we got to see the facilities, and it was a great atmosphere, so I'm excited about this game. I'm with you guys. I kind of wish it would have been a return game, but at the same time, if you're, look, if a school pays us $1.3 million and we have a chance to win, you really can't say no to that, so... I don't know what who, what home game is going to fill in for that, but I'll take that trip all day, especially if they're in the Big 12. It'll be a good matchup against a good P5 uh, school. Yeah, we'll probably, Nick, probably play an eighth te- eighth place back team that year. <laughs> it's better, right? Can't wait. Uh, Nick, before you give your thought, I just want to say this also. If you guys have been following the business news of, of college football, the Big 12 finally just, they, they signed their TV contract, long-awaited TV contract, $31 million, million guaranteed for all 12 schools, but that's not including their tier, their tier payouts and their college football playoff t- payouts. So the, the estimated per school payout per season after about two years is roughly $50 million. So you take all the money, all the student fees, everything that Orlando is generating for that program and all the investment they have, not even considering private donations, their athletic budget is going to be just fine. If UCF can't win on that amount of money, they can't win. So I think the Big 12, Jerry, you commented that the Big 12 hit a home run. They hit a home run in a lot of ways this week, and that TV contract is pretty lucrative. Yeah, and I find it interesting. I mean, I'm watching, living in Houston, they have University of Houston games um, highlighted on the news here, and there's 3,000 people in the stands. I mean, nobody cares about University of Houston. In basketball, maybe. Uh, but even in baseball, they're apathetic at this point. So kind of interesting that they're going to be in the Big 12. Um, maybe that will increase attendance for them, but just goes to show you it's all about markets and not necessarily fan support. Uh, but yeah, I, g- good for UCF. I, again, would I'm like you, I would have liked a, a return game, whatever that structure would have looked like. Uh, but instead, we'll probably play, play a MAC team at home that, that season, but that's a conversation for later. And and UCF, I mean, it's been a long time coming. When they were in uh, Conference USA, I believe it was, and we played them, and they they kicked our butts. They everything about the presentation and the the stadium and just the feel 
and the PA announcer and the music and the coordination. It felt like Big East at the time when Big East was a thing. And, and of course, that went away, and then they joined the AAC. But they always were striving to be at that next level. So kudos to them for staying you, you know, on course all these years, even when it looked like they would never make it and they, they were always left out. Uh, that's it, it's a testament to their being, I guess, consistent in their approach to knowing where they want to go. And and that to me is is the sign of a, a healthy athletic department, um, you know, as a whole. I agree with you. It'll be interesting. I would have loved to see us push for a two for one or a return trip. Uh, if we get Brian back on here. That's going to be at the top of the list. I got to know I got to know how these conversations happen because Terry Mahajer is very, very uh, familiar with this athletic program. We've got a good relationship with him as far as I, I've been told. You would have think that Terry might have played ball. Um, but again, we know that Brian doesn't like the two for one. So if that was what the push was for, I mean, I understand that they're going to be in the Big 12. I don't know, man. I think we got to be, I, I think we got to have you know, we talk about it all the time, sports self-esteem. we got to believe in ourselves more. we got to push our product a little bit more. We're getting ready to bring on Raging Cajun wide receiver Dante Fleming. Before we do that, I just want to let everybody know, uh, this interview, again, has been made possible by the team at Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys. Uh, they have a fantastic media team that we've been working with. They set up the interview, so I wanted to give them the shout-out they deserved. And uh, we're going to get Dante in here as soon as he... Uh, grabs the invite, he'll be in the lobby in just a moment. But Dante has been fantastic over the last few games. You know, we kind of questioned a few times, where was Dante early in the season? Uh, Gerald Broussard made a very good observation to me uh, on Scott Prather's show one time, and he said, you know, because we had that cluster injury situation a couple of years ago in uh, the the Iowa State, uh, was that 2020? 2020, was that 2019 or 2020? 2020. So the year that we beat Iowa State, remember we had that wide receiver cluster injury situation where a lot of freshmen were getting a lot of playing time. Lots of freshmen were were being, I mean, honestly, they were being relied upon to make big plays. Dante was one of those receivers. So Gerald made a, a, a good point about sometimes when you're a young player, you come in, you get all those reps, you just expect to get the ball. And a lot of times we got to grow up from that situation. I think Dante did that. And I think Dante has been an impact player for us over the last few games, and we're going to bring in Dante right now to talk about that. Mr. Dante Fleming, welcome to the Raging Review podcast, sir. We appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. What's up, man? Looking good. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Before, uh, I want to talk about football. I mean, obviously, we have more fun talking about football, but there's something that's very important that you were involved with just recently, uh, the Play for Pink campaign that helped benefit uh, the Miles Perrette Cancer Center. And uh, this was kind of a, 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 I think it was a Gordon team-wide initiative with Gordon Gives, right? Uh, And basically, there was a minimum donation of $2,500, and then everything else was incentive-based. So if you went out and performed, uh, say, you know, 10 yards on offense, however many receptions, a touchdown, a game-breaking play of some kind, uh, Gordon Gives decided this was going to be, you know, X amount of dollars towards uh, whatever, you know, our local charity is Miles Perrette. So maybe talk about that for a moment, let the guys and, and let the audience know just exactly what went on with that. I mean, it's an honor to play Knowing you playing for the people that suffering for can- with cancer, and that has died from it, I mean it's it's an honor to go out and play on the play on the field for them, to let let them know that you're representing them on the field. 
Yeah, and just to let everybody know, I won't go into the details of what exactly earned what, but on top of the $25 or $2,500 minimum donation, Dante's performance against, it was against uh, Arkansas State, right? Yes, sir. The Arkansas State game where you caught the two touchdowns, uh, he helped to raise an extra $2,000 towards that Miles Perrette Cancer Service uh, donation from Gordon Gives. So big hand for for Dante. I mean, look, that's that's super cool, man. That transcends football. Uh, obviously, you know, you're here to play football. You're here to good get get a great education. But when you get to participate in something that this that's this impactful for the community, and it means so much to so many people that, that have suffered through this type of of uh, disease, it's got to mean a lot to you. So I want to say personally, I've had uh, my family impacted by cancer. So I appreciate you uh, as a human being, man. I appreciate that yes, very much. Nick, you have anything for Dante before we move yeah, on to football? I was going to say, I, man, I was, I was, I, w- I just want to say it was so much fun watching, sc- watching the screen while you, while you just keep blowing it up on the field, man. I was, I was pumping you up the whole game, tagging Gordon. Go probably going a little overboard on that. Oh yeah, we but, went overboard. Uh, but, but like Josh said, uh, you know, I've, I've worked with Miles Perret Cancer Services for years. I've done their games of Acadiana several times, and uh, like you. It, it's an honor to, to be affiliated with them, and I don't think we could have uh, we could have picked two better players to represent us there. So thank yes, you for sir. that, Dante. We're gonna get Jerry to start asking you some football stuff. But my last question before we move on from from uh, yeah, the Miles Perrette stuff is, what did you get personally out of being associated with that kind of uh, initiative? You know, raising. I, I know you said it was an honor to play for those families and everything, but uh, just personal enrichment. Like, will you walk away from that? What do you get out of it? Like going forward, does it change the way you look at certain things? Does it does it help you to have a little bit, you know, maybe a different perspective on life as a young man? Maybe talk about that just a minute. Uh, it really, it really just teaches you the lessons of becoming a man after football. Like football is not for long, so you got to have something to really fall back on. Yeah, and I think you probably make some lasting relationships with people in those kind of circles. So that's, that's great for you personally. Uh, I know Jerry's having boomer internet problems, so I'll ask you the first question. Well, I'm uh, here. I'm here. I got it. You good? All right. Yeah, Take I'm it, Jerry. Good. Sorry about that. Dante, uh-huh. how you doing, buddy? Thanks for being with us tonight. So let's talk a little football, man. Uh, four games left in the year. Uh, I know right now the offense has found some stride. Um, you know, the passing game especially has found a rhythm in the last month, uh, especially with you. You've had some nice highlights to watch. That touchdown at Marshall, you had some nice catches last week. What do you think has been the biggest difference in the offense over the last few weeks that's really stood out? I mean, the uh, the quarterback. Like, we, we had two rotation quarterbacks. One of them got hurt. It just really building that chemistry with the quarterback that we have now. And I felt that. I felt that. It became one of the best things building that chemistry. I got a quick follow up on that, real quick, Jerry. Yeah, very nice. <clears throat> I got I got a quick one. So as fans, as fans, we hear cliches and stuff like that all the time. I have I have always wanted to ask a question like this to a wide receiver. People talk about a catchable ball or the way the ball spins, and it helps. It either helps or hurts wide receivers in their routine. Is that a real thing or is that not real? I mean, I mean, if the ball touches your hand, you got to catch it. Come on, man. Preach to him now. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> We're on record. That's so, not a thing. Go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> well, speaking of which, you know, specific to the wide receiver room, um, you know, the progress has definitely 
we've definitely seen the progress over the last month or so with the receiving core. Uh, what's been who's been the biggest surprise player to come on the field so far this year and make an impact, uh, whether it's the receiving core or just anybody on the offensive side? Really, really, our old linemen they stepped up to the plate. A lot of them been out with injuries, so they really couldn't practice to the fullest potential. Like a lot of, so they just came back. Just about this, like Marshall was really the first game they really played together. Would you so say? So, 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 speaking of injuries, would you say that? Um, I know Coach Des doesn't really say much about injuries. I know a lot of it we find out around game time. But would you say? this last stretch of the season that we're pretty healthy. How would you kind of judge the health of the team, the health of the receiving group or the wide receiving group, especially you? How are you doing as well, health-wise? I'm feeling good. I just take care of my body after every practice. I would go in the cold tub and uh, just stretch. But I feel pretty good. No injuries. So let's talk about the last game against Southern Miss. Unfortunately, we're going to bring that one up. But it felt like we were coming off of two really good wins. Marshall, obviously, Arkansas State the next week. Then we get to Hattiesburg. And the game was just weird to start off, right? Um, Blocked kick for two-point conversion, 6-2 score. It was just, it it was weird for like the first half. It felt almost like you guys might have been a little shell-shocked. Was was there was that the case? Was were the fans into the game? Did that disrupt you guys? Was it just uh, maybe just the weird start? Was there something that kind of got you guys off to that rough start against USM last week? Uh, it, it really wasn't the fans. It's just that we started off slow, so we 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 ain't come out how we wanted to be. I mean, they came out and play play, but we just started off slow, so nothing we could do. Yeah, and and I like to say L's uh, are for learning, and and I'm sure you guys learn learn things during that game. Tell us a little bit about what you guys took away from that loss in Hattiesburg, if anything. I mean, we really showed that we didn't let the loss take control of us. All we gotta do is just keep going back and work hard. I mean, we can't let one game define us, define who we are. We just got to go back to the drawing boards and continue to get better. Yeah, and I think you guys have shown that this season where we've had some disappointing losses, but you guys bounce back again against Marshall and get a big get a big win after losing so close to South Alabama. So uh, I think you guys are, are, are in the right state of mind to take on Troy this week. Uh, right. Speaking of Troy, top 30 defense, they're tough, man, defensively. And, and we just saw two pretty good defensive teams. Uh, what do you see on film that you think for, for Troy in particular, their defensive secondary, their defensive line, what do you see when you're looking at game tape that, that maybe we can, uh, we can expose them or what might give us problems next week? I mean, Troy a really good team. They 6-2, but we can't let that, that control how we think. We just got to go in there and compete and just play ball. You know, and adding on to that, the Troy matchup, uh, you know, speaking of the explosiveness of their defense, they don't really give up big plays. You know, in order to score on them, you kind of have to dink and doink. You have to get the short yardage. You have to extend drives. But on the other hand, our passing game over the last few weeks, even against Southern Miss last week, we've broken off some big plays, uh, some long pass plays. You've been involved in a few of them as well. What would it take against this Troy defense to be able to do just that, to break off some big plays and kind of open up the game a little bit? 
I mean, just execution. We just got to go play after play. We just got to keep moving the ball, making big plays on defense and offense, and then just buying into the game. Like, get out, get the sideline into it, get the fans into it, and uh, that would really give us that motivation that we could pull off the win. I know you replaced the uh, the touchdown baton with the Mardi Gras beads. How do y'all like the Mardi Gras beads on the sideline now? I mean, it's cool. It's cool. It's <laughs> awesome, man. Look, you got to add some spirit to the sideline. Got to right. add some energy, right? What right. better way than to put on some beads? I mean, no other no other school can say that, right? Right. But uh, anyway, so this Saturday against Troy, uh, I know we're doing it one home game early, but we're going to be having senior day. We're going to be honoring the seniors. Uh, Dante, from a personal perspective, you know, you're not a senior, but you've played with these guys for a couple years. Talk a little bit about the senior class, what they've meant for you personally, as well as this uh, football program? I mean, the senior class that we have now is really cool. They step up. They, they, A lot of them leaders, and that's what I like about them. And they about business. They take practice serious. Like, you can't come around and then just BS. You got to – they all about getting everything right, getting the little details right, and performing well on Saturdays. Anybody in particular take you under their wing when you got here as a young a young pup receiver? Anybody that means somebody or means something special to you personally? Uh, Levi Lewis. How's Levi, man? We haven't seen him around in a while. You've been talking to him? Yeah, he's he doing good. Good, man. He's, he's Canadian now, right? Yes, sir. He's learning a little French or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have to ask him. <laughs> good, man. Well, listen, this... This senior class means a lot to us as fans, and I'm sure they mean even more to you as players. They have an opportunity to win five consecutive bowl games, first time ever done in the history of this program. Is that something that the players are aware of? If it is, is it something that's part of your goal structure? I know that Dez puts a lot of goals on the board early in the season. Is that something that you guys have talked about? Is it something that you're looking at now? Uh, maybe some other goals that didn't turn out the way we thought they might, but we still have that in front of us. Is that something that is on the board in at the top of your mind? Something you guys talk about? I mean, really, it was winning the Sun Belt Championship, but the bowl, the bowl, the bowl game is really on our mind too. Knowing that. It's going to be the first hit in history that we went five bowl games straight. But that's something we talk about in the room. That's good to know. And I want you to know as a player, that kind of stuff means a lot to us. I mean, yeah, these crazy bastards, we're crazy. We're sick. We're psychos. We, <laughs> we go to all the games. We're going to be there in the rain on Saturday. Like, we care a lot. And we represent a lot of people who care uh, a lot, too. Uh, but... Sometimes I think the players maybe not may, may not know that as much as they should, but anytime we get one of you guys on here, we like to say, we appreciate you for being a Raging Cajun. We appreciate you for choosing to be here. You guys represent us and you do it well. And thank you from Raging Review and me personally and these two guys. I mean, we really appreciate what you guys do. Yes, sir. Dante Fleming, Raging Cajun's wide receiver. Thank you for being with us, man. Appreciate you taking a few minutes to hang thank out. Good luck against Troy, man. We'll see you. Yes, sir. Take care. Dante Fleming. You know, that's some very interesting comments. Number one, catchable ball, not a thing. Hey, look, I never thought it <laughs> you was. You love that one. <laughs> oh, it's just because there's so much BS in the football lexicon, right? There's, people say so much stuff. It's just not real. I mean, look, oh, is, are people out there throwing punts? No. 
Are we throwing knuckleballs? No. It spins the same damn way. All right, maybe a couple extra revolutions. I don't know, but a catchable ball? Come on. Um, so no, that's number one. Number two, the rapport with the, the quarterback is apparently a thing. Who knew? Who knew? A bunch of dumbass fans. Hey, we hey, didn't know. Hey, you cannot. Don't you dare question it, okay? You don't know anything. All right. Saying that, I wouldn't. Since the beginning don't you dare. Of the damn season. Don't, don't you dare. Oh. Don't you dare question. We wouldn't don't be lucky enough for that. Jay to be watching right now. And where's Kyle when we need him? Oh man, he's gonna he's gonna lose his mind when he sees this. Uh, that's awesome. Which, by the way, Kyle. And, and, and when, Ky- that, Ky- when that said, Kyle did when, some work on Saturday night. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Get this guy some high blood pressure medication. Said, look, I'm not. It doesn't that it's not that the fact that it's the debate. It's the fact that at least people care enough to talk about it. That's what matters the most to me. If I don't care which side you take, as long as people are willing to sit down and have a discussion about it, it shows that people still care. So I'm of I'm of the belief of I don't care who the quarterback is. I just want to win. I don't care. It don't matter to me. And I'll support the hell out of them. Sure. They got both of them. I will support both of them. I just don't like the two quarterback system. Yeah, there are a lot of things I don't like. Doesn't mean I hate people. It's just I don't like that particular system. And you shouldn't. Two quarterbacks equals zero. That's not a knock on anybody. How how many how many teams out there are starting two quarterbacks? And I'm not talking about like a Taysom Hill situation. I'm talking starting two. You see him every other. You don't see it because it doesn't work. Doesn't work. And if you're not doing it based on injury, then you're tanking. Are you? I don't want to say too much. I don't like it. I think we've established that, and I think we have a little bit of uh, some evidence to back us up now. Shout out to Dante Fleming. And it's okay not to like it. Sure. Or like it. If you like it, okay. Either way. (laughs) I like it about as much as I like Jerry's internet connection right now. (laughs) Overhaul the net zero, man. This has got to. You know it's so bad. It's so grainy. We can't even tell if you're shaking your head no or yes. That's we have jumped a shark here. Oh, Jerry, never change, bro. <laughs> it's good. It it adds content. Um, the depth chart was released today. Very interesting names. Uh, well, I wouldn't say names that are inactive. We do have one that's very interesting. Jax Harrington's not going to play. I think good. Was, wasn't he injured during the Southern Miss game? I think he was injured, but he did start right. I'm not sure how much playing I, I'd have. Look, I've tried to re- erase that game from my memory. Mostly, yes. I don't remember seeing how much I saw him out there, but I know that him not being in the game makes a difference. Uh, so it's I'm a little concerned going into Troy, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, when you have an offensive line that got, as Kyle would say, booty wiped this past week. You might want to have one of your more talented, better players on the right side. Might help a little bit, uh, especially going up probably against the best front seven in the league. I think that's important. Yeah, and we're, we're going to have to scheme. We're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to be creative uh, with with what we do offensively this week because if not, it can get get out of hand early. And and that's not to say we don't have guys with talent. It's just I, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a big key to our success for the rest of the season is having Harrington in there. And if he's not there this week, it's going to be a we're going to have to get creative. Well, I mean, reality is, is we're thin. 
and not having yeah. Harrington mean somebody else has to slide over. Like I saw Lance Burton is the backup right guard. Yep. He's not healthy. That's why he's not playing center. So, I mean, we're, we're in a triage unit behind the ones. Against Troy, that's big news. Big news against a top 30 defense. Definitely, <laughs> definitely big news. Big, big step back for us. For a unit that really can't continue to get these bad breaks. Like, at some point, you think karma turns around. You never know. Mike's going to have to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands immediately. When, when, I mean, jet sweeps, quick slants, like, get, get the ball out, get the ball out. These five and seven strep- to count to three. There's these, no three. Count. No, it's hell be no. One and a half. Get the ball out. These five and seven step drops ain't going to happen. Not going to work. These slow developing. We, we need to get that out of the playbook anyway. So maybe this is a blessing in disguise, Nick. Could be. I don't know. I think um, Nick, I, you know what I think is happening? I think Jerry is pretending to have bad internet so he can watch the Astros. Yeah. I mean, we're up five, nothing. I'm just saying we're, we're blowing it up right now. So there you go. I'm uh. I'm not not glancing too much. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> Who did the Phillies start tonight? Uh, your boy, Aaron Nola. Good. Drag him. We rocked him. <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to say about, uh, really one thing I wanted to say about Troy is that really in spite of the offensive line, despite of injuries, we just can't make mistakes. That's exactly what we did against Southern Miss to start the game last week is we made a lot of mistakes. And that that's what gave Southern Miss the opportunity to take advantage and score on offense or give them the possession back or flip the field. It's the mistakes. That's one thing I find in spite of injuries, if we don't make mistakes and our defense can step up, regardless of how good Troy's defense is, I think we can. the game is still going to be close. We have to take care of us. We cannot make those mistakes. Um... And look, against South Alabama, same thing. We didn't make many mistakes. We just didn't take advantage of certain opportunities, which didn't allow us to, to, to really take the momentum. I think we're going to see a game like that this week. But this is one of those games where if you make the simplest of mistakes or turn the ball over early or give Troy good field position, this is a team that makes you pay pretty fast. So I think... There are going to be times when we're not, we might not be able to move the football as well as we'd like. But as long as our defense steps up and keeps it a low-scoring game, I think anything's possible at this point. And I think that's what scares me a little bit is what, what Southern Miss put on tape on our defense in the first half of the game. Um, I mean, Frank Gore himself blew us up. We could, then all of a sudden, we couldn't stop a pass down the middle of the field with four, four uh, defensive backs around him. Uh, I mean, it, it was just like a total collapse and, and we acted like we hadn't played football in three months. Now, Troy is coming off. I think their Troy's last game was like October 20th. They've been off for a while, haven't they? Yeah, they're going to be two full weeks and we're on the nine day break, which I even made that comment to Jerry. I almost prefer to have that shorter turnaround because you might still be a little bit more sharp. Um, but but that's yet to be seen. But but again, we can't do like we did against Southern Miss, first play of the game, intercept the ball, and then go four and out on terrible play calling. You know, we've got to capitalize on the mistakes they make, which which I don't feel like we have done a good job of. And then when we get things going, especially, again, we were only down eight with, with two minutes to go, and then we turned the ball over. I mean, it's just stuff like that that, that we got to figure out. Um, obviously, our goal at this point is to get bowl eligible. So if we, if we don't win against Troy... And, and we go and we play a Florida State, that almost gives you two more opportunities to get bowl eligible. I'd rather get it out the way and get one game closer this week, but it's going to take 
again, some creativity, like you said, Jerry, not making mistakes and just, just being more disciplined on the field. And, and hopefully if we capitalize on some of the mistakes Troy makes, then maybe we'll be in the game. You can win by being boring. You know, we did it a few times under Billy Napier where there were some games we just looked sloppy and we were good enough to win. I don't care. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how sloppy you look. Just win. But in order to do that, don't make careless mistakes. Don't make mistakes that give them opportunities. Another example last week that I'm still sick to, to remember is, is the safety. We, 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 we get a safety or give them a safety, give them the ball back, and they score a touchdown. Nine-point turnaround. Nine-point turnaround at their house. Little things, little things like that make the biggest difference. You don't give them that nine-point turnaround, we might win this game in spite of how bad we played. Those are the little things that matter. And when you do that against Troy, uh, against a defense that's one of the best in the country, you can't. it's hard to make up for those type of mistakes. And, and you know, one good thing is that Troy's offense, they really don't score often. Like, their offense is not explosive. Their offense isn't that great. But no. neither was Southern Misses. Neither was Southern Misses. We'll talk about 39 on us. Yeah, we'll talk about this in the preview, but Troy has one of the two worst defense uh, offenses in the league. So we'll talk about that when we preview. But, uh, you know, Nick made a comment about how we were giving up plays to a a running back. I still like to look at those things as trick plays. I don't think that's sustainable. And I think we proved that throughout the course of the game of that game. I'm mostly concerned about how easy it seemed to be. And now look, Ben Woolridge, Woolridge, is still learning how to play the position and be the starter and be the guy. So it could have been a, a fantastic learning experience. But the first half of that game, he was totally rattled for a large majority of it. The offensive line didn't do him any favors, but he was visibly shaken. He made bad throws. He made bad reads. He missed open receivers. I'm way more concerned about his ability to just shake that off, do better the next time he's presented the opportunity than I am our defense being, you know, having their pants pulled down like they did. I'm, I, I want to see Ben step up because he's going to face pressure. They do play more of a, a base defense. I don't think they bring as much pressure as Southern Miss does, but he's going to have smaller windows to throw into. Their linebackers are undersized, but they're fast, and they're good in pass coverage. So I want to see Ben take the bull by the horns when he's challenged in this game. It's Southern Miss, I think that that was a failure for him. Honestly, just settle down. That's all he has to do is just settle down. He really didn't settle down all game up until like the last drive. He wasn't even settled. I mean, he was pretty much rattled the entire game. Now, give credit to Southern Miss. They came with a good defensive plan, but there were sometimes he could have just relaxed a little bit more, settled down in the pocket, make some throws. And some of those throws could have been very effective completions. He's going to have to settle down this week against a really, really good Troy defense because now they have film on that and they're going to prepare for that. They're going to find ways to prepare for that. So Ben Ben has the potential to, in my opinion, have a look. He's already had a coming out party against Marshall, but this is his opportunity to really have a coming out party against a top 30 defense to where as to finish off the season, if he's able to do that against Troy, who, by the way, is the leading the leading Sunbelt Western Division team right now, if he's able to do that against Troy, he shouldn't have problems against Georgia Southern. And he also should do pretty well in the next two games after that. But he has to have, he has to settle down. Well, not, I, I wouldn't even say settle down. He's got to get get over this, I'm going to start slow thing. Because we've seen that, I think, on every game he's played this season, where it takes him a few 
drives to get going. He can't afford to do that against Troy this week. We can't give him a two, three touchdown or two or three score lead uh, in the, in the first quarter. We, he's got to, he's got to come out, you know, quicker. He's got to come out with, with more zip on his ball. He can't miss open receivers. We can't make mistakes. We can't throw uh, interceptions. If he can do that in the first quarter, then I'll start feeling a little bit better. And I'm not saying he has to go put up three touchdowns. I'm just saying he's got to get off to a better start. We got to put a first drive together that is sustained um, and, and come away with some points. And if we do that, then I'll be feeling better. But if he comes out again on a slow start and and we're, we're approaching halftime and he's just getting going, I, I think we're going to be in trouble. I think we need him to get started early this week. I, I agree with you. Uh, before. Let's just roll into the preview, being that we're starting already. I'm going to make this comment, Nick, that you can take it for a second. Uh, the thing that's bizarre about Ben and his slow starts is that the first 12 to 15 plays are scripted. There's not a whole lot of reads going on there. But it seems like he comes out, and I don't know, maybe if he tries to force a progression or... I haven't played, paid that much attention to it, but it does feel like it takes him a minute to get into the flow of the game. Um, that's definitely an issue for me. And for him. I mean... That cannot happen against a good defense. Look what happened against Southern Miss. You get picked. You know, we cannot turn the football over against Troy. They will dominate us. We already have one hand tied behind our back with these offensive line issues. Uh, We're coming off of a lackluster offensive performance where we made tons and tons of mistakes. I'm talking about up and down. Every unit made mistakes. Tight ends were bad. I mean, I, I admitted that on Saturday. That cannot happen on Saturday. We need everybody to be... You know, like I said, all hands on deck. Everybody's got to be A+. Plus. Um, I will say this. The last time Detroit beat us in Cajun Field was 2015. And John Summerall was on that staff. He was a linebacker coach. So he knows what it's like to have success and massive success. They beat us like 17, 41-17, I think it was. And that effectively started to be, it was the beginning of the end for Hudspeth. That ass whipping really started to change some things around. Uh They've got star power with Carlton Marshall. I don't know what the hell's going on with Daigie and and uh, and and Gunnar Watson, who for me is is I don't understand the hype about Watson. We've talked about this a million times. I don't believe in Watson. I, I know that he's put some numbers up. There's some bad defenses in the league too. All right, it's, he you can put up numbers against some of these defenses. I don't. I think he's so slow and deliberate. I don't get it. I think Daigie's a much better pure passer. He is somewhat new to the football team, so maybe he doesn't quite have the the offense under his belt. I think there's opportunity there. We have an opportunistic defense. We're still fast. We're still going to make these quarterbacks make plays. There's definitely an opportunity there on defense. Offensively, I don't see it, guys. I I think they're fast. I think they're good. I don't, I don't think they need to bring pressure to get. Our, our offense out of whack. Offensive line is what it is, and we're down. Our probably best offensive lineman. I don't know. I, I don't know where the opportunities are to score. So Nick's probably going to give us some numbers to make me feel a little bit better. He might make me feel worse. Who knows? But we're going to tell the truth. So here it goes. Well, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing that stands out to me. We're stats-wise, we're very – there's a lot in common between our two teams defensively, offensively. I mean, they pass for 2,300 yards. We pass for 1,900. That, I mean, but outside of that, they only scored 22 points a game. We scored 26. Um, they they give up 17 points a game. We give up 21. So if you're going by stats, you're thinking this is going to be a close game, which I still think it will be. I don't think it, either team is going to. Uh, I agree. 
I don't think it's going to be a blowout unless again, we make some crazy mental lapses like we did against Southern Miss, then, then this can be a different ball game. But defensively we're ranked 32. They're ranked 24. Is that in scoring defense or total defense? That's total defense. Okay. So, I mean, in the league, that's important. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and offensively total offense, we're ranked 86. They're 78. So again, it's very similar to, to Marshall where neither of us could really move the ball, and somehow we managed to do it against them. Hopefully that's the case again this week. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, Troy hasn't played since October 20th. Uh, We're coming off that brutal game against Southern Miss, so hopefully we have a little motivation. We're a little fresher than they are, and we come out punching them like like James said. Um, Two capable quarterbacks. I know you're not a fan of Milton Gunnar Watson, by the way. So of course, his students, first name is Milton. God. Students who are going to the game remember Milton. Not likable. Not likable. Uh, punchable name, punchable face. Jared Dagey, as you said, uh, got most of the reps against South Alabama. I think Watson may have been hurt, uh, but but Dagey did get most of the snaps against their last game uh, when they beat uh, South Alabama. Each threw for three touchdowns against Texas State earlier in the season, and neither threw for a touchdown against South Alabama. Um, receivers, they have Tess Johnson. He's got 536 yards and three touchdowns on the season. So he's a, he's a game changer. Um, they do have three more receivers with, with more than 300 yards. They just have trouble punching it in, into the end zone, but they do have depth that wide, wide receiver. They've got two uh, running backs who get the bulk of the carries Billingsley and Vidal, um, or vital. I don't know. That guy is it. a tank. I yeah, watched him he, play against South Carolina last year and I was terrified to play him. I mean, that guy yeah. is so hard to bring down. Yeah, he's good. And and defensively, I mean, they've got linebacker uh, Marshall. He's a handful. He's all over the field. Defensive end TJ Jackson has six sacks on the season. Defense is, has 25 sacks total, um, which scares me a little bit. They they have forced eight interceptions on the season, uh, but really it's going to be that that defensive line bringing pressure. And like you said, we, we he can't we're not going to be able to to get past a two count. Like he Ben's going to have to get the ball out early and, and quickly for, for us to have a chance this week. Um, again, key for me is how do we respond after, after that, that terrible loss against Southern Miss? We, uh, we found ourselves in a, another situation where we didn't play close to our potential. So hopefully we don't find ourselves there again this week. Um, interestingly enough, there are two, two people on the, um, on the staff that are making homecomings back to Louisiana. Uh, do you know who they are? A little trivia. Little Jerry. trivia, Jerry. This we is got, your department. We got Gunnar Hudspeth on the Gunner coaching Hudspeth. staff. Yep. Okay, we all right. Him. Um, I'm trying to think who else is. What it is a coach, what is he? A, a quarterback player? coach? He's an offensive analyst. Okay, all right. Yeah. Is it is the other one a coach or a player? The other is a coach. He's right, under Hudspeth. Uh, ooh. Was what, it what position? Was it Matt? He, Matt. He um, broke his head at the New Orleans Bowl. Rusty oh, Witt. Rusty, Rusty Witt. Coach Witt. Yeah. Rusty Witt's Coach. back in the in the Sun Belt. Third year at, at Troy. So I'll be I damn. thought that was interesting that Gunner and and uh, Witt will be back at uh, in Cajun Field this weekend. Rusty Witt was a character, man. Hey, that man. That man. He was solid. He man, was that dude solid. Was intense. <laughs> he was intense for sure. Uh, went viral a couple times while he was here. Some of those workouts. Well, yeah, I remember that. I, yeah. I like that, the bleeding head and all that. That was yeah, yeah. theatrics. Uh, no, I was going to tell a Halloween story. Somebody I knew went as Rusty Wit with the anyway. It's a long story. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> well, I like you know typically as in another life, if I were a betting guy, 
I would love the Cajuns coming home off the road after a brutal loss home. And I'm getting Troy, who's, like you guys said, statistically kind of a mirror image, coming to Louisiana with a lot on the line. I would really like the Cajuns in that scenario. However, as a betting man in another life, I would certainly look at the depth chart and see that Jax Harrington is not playing. That's such a big story for me, and I haven't really heard it talked about a lot in the media here in Lafayette, the, the media that we have left anyway. Haven't, haven't heard anybody talk about it. Um, and I know he went out last week, and I understand that, but not having him going into a game is not the same as getting hurt and then coming out of the game. It's different. Your game plan is totally different. You've been relying on the right side to get a push for the entire season, and you, you heard Dante say it. Marshall was the first time where they really felt like there was some cohesiveness. There was, there was you know, the five equals one mentality had returned, and I think they played that way. Um, and you saw it carry over into Arkansas State. Jax goes out. People have to be shuffled. We got our teeth kicked in against a good USM defense. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. It doesn't matter what's on the periphery of all that. I mean, sometimes it is that simple. If the offensive line can't hold its own, huge problem. Look, and I want to say next man out, but we're Who, running out who's of Who's left? <laughs> who's left? You know? Yeah. Who's left? That's what I'm saying. So we only we only can do and and work with what we have. And and it's 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 thin. Like you said earlier, we're thin at that position and I don't know. We're just going to have to figure it out. If we can return to ball hawking defense, getting those turnovers, we can do ourselves a lot of good. And momentum plays a big role in that. We're at home. It's debatable whether that's an advantage or not. I don't know if we expect more than 10,000 people with the rain and the school to the east having a big game. I, you know, I don't know how that's all going to play out. I'm certainly going to be there. If I have to wear a poncho, it'll be on. So I don't really want to hear excuses from fans not showing up. Look, I don't even want to get into it, honestly, because probably not a productive conversation. But hopefully we get a decent crowd. It is Troy, after all. It's always been a good a good rivalry between Troy and Louisiana. Now they're in the West, so we're going to see them more. I think that this is something that we need to get behind. Obviously, of course, of course we think that. We're, we're preaching to the choir. But, I mean, it's senior night, folks. This has been if not the most successful one, the second most successful senior class in the history of the school. That's if you're a fan of this program and you're a proud alumni, you claim to be a raging Cajun. You should be in the stands for that. We want to support our student athletes. That's what we're here for. It's like we told Dante, you know, we're really appreciative that he chose to be a raging Cajun. It's important to us and we should show them that it's important to us. Uh, I, I get a little bit passionate about that. I won't ramble. Jerry, I know you probably have some thoughts about senior night and how important that is. Well, it's very important. You know, anytime you have a senior class go out, you always remember what they did during those four years. And look at the success that we had during these four years with this senior class. Um, I don't want to give too much away, you know, for later on, but they had a lot of success here. Enough success that has set a standard for this football program that we've never seen before that continues even to this day and it will continue after they're gone. So, you know, there's a way if there's a way to say thank you, it's it's this Saturday show up and, and show out to say thank you to these guys, because, you know, people like us who grew up watching the Cajuns, 
you know, we had some senior classes that barely won 10 games during their four years, right? This senior class did it, won 10 games multiple times, three seasons in a row. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it gave us, it's the hard work of these guys that gave us something to be proud of. And so I'm definitely going to go just to say thank you, um, even if it's just going for the, for, for that, you know, and I'm granted, I'm going to stay, you know, try to stay for as long as I can to the game, depending on, you know, the weather and if my daughter's there with me or not. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's such a golden opportunity for our fans to go and, and just show some appreciation for what they've accomplished here. And we're not talking. Uh, the, the thing that's so impressive is the guys that are graduating, these seniors. I mean, we're talking about playmakers, game changers. We're talking about. I mean, Johnny Lumpkin and Reese Burns, Zion Hill Green, um, Michael Jefferson, Eric Guerra, like guys who over the course of their four or five years just made a difference on this team. You you look at the list of seniors and there's not one name that's unfamiliar to any Cajun fan in Lafayette. So I, I and and when you put together that and then the fact that at the end of last season, they look around after having all this success and they saw their teammates both to Florida, to Purple and Gold, to TCU, and and all the coaching staff left bare and looking around going, oh, oh, it's it's me. It's just me in the locker room now. You know, they could have easily gotten in the transfer portal and said, I'm going to go finish out somewhere else. But they chose to stay. They're resilient. And that, to me, embodies, that. that's the personification of Cajuns. We don't give up. We fight through the hard times. We deal with a lot of bullshit. We get beat down by people who think they're better than us, but we get back up and we prove them wrong. And those guys stuck around. Easy, easy. It would have been so easy for them to take one of those offers. Because don't you cannot tell me that somebody like Michael Jefferson, who's going to play in the NFL, you're not going to tell me that that people try to illegally recruit him like they did to the other players that left. They did a hundred percent. Somebody probably went to every single one of those players and offered them to go somewhere, but you know what? They chose to stay here. So for that, every single Cajun fan in, in Lafayette and the surrounding areas should be there. And I know they won't. And I know it's probably going to be a, a small crowd, but if anything, this is my appreciation to them to say, thank you because you could have bolted and you didn't and you stuck with us and you are what Cajuns, represent and and so again thank you thank you for sticking with us perfect representation of the culture beautifully said well said that was perfect Um, that was awesome one of those names is going to be jordan quibito and if you guys don't know the story of jordan quibito he was not offered by this school he walked on he worked hard he became a star on special teams he filled in when injuries occurred he had minimal opportunity uh, because of the star power ahead of him and Farad and McCaskill and those guys like that. Uh, and he didn't even know what kind of opportunity he would get this year, but he opted to come back because he had one more year of eligibility. He has degree in hand. This guy is done. He came back to play for Mike, to play for Lamar, and to leave a legacy. And all he's done is improve every single week. Mike Linebacker, I don't know if you guys watched, uh, well, yeah, obviously we all watched from, from home for the, for the Southern Miss game. He was a standout player. He was pushing people around, going through blocks two and three deep. Jordan Quibito popped off the screen. He's gotten bigger, faster, stronger. He works hard, one of the hardest workers on the team. He has been nominated for the Bullsworth Award. And the Bullsworth Award, if you're not familiar, is the best career from a walk-on. Now, 
he's up against guys like Carlton Marshall from Troy, who is, you know, he's high up there. I mean, he, he's probably one of the leaders in the in the clubhouse to get that award. But Jordan Quivito deserved to be recognized for his service and everything he's done for the program and and just how much better that guy got throughout his his years, his five years in the program. Um, he's a local guy. He's one of the best guys that you could ever know. I personally know someone who knows him very, very well. And I, this guy is the real deal. He is a raging Cajun. Mike Desermo, Desermo, excuse me, Mike Desar- Desermo even said in one of the, the pressers that um, he was one of the guys that represent the raging Cajun brand the way that all of us would want to be represented. Uh, community-wise, the way he works, all the stuff, just how good he is, good of a guy, good of a man, all that stuff. If you can, and when it comes out, there's going to be voting. Please look up Quib. We deserve to back him. I'm just excited for the guy to get nominated because, to me, that's a hell of an honor. He's going up against, I think it's 81, 81 uh, finalists or, or nominees. He deserves it. He's one of my favorite players on the football team, and it's not just because he's from Acadiana High School. It's not because he's a local. He's done it the right way. Uh, he, he's the kind of person that I want to represent me when I put on my Raging Cajuns cap. I want people to know it's because of guys like that, you know. So well, I just wanted to say that about say, Quib. I'll be a little biased. I'm an Acadian High Wreck and Ram graduate. Oh so yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> what do you think about that, Jerry? Y'all didn't have to play Acadian High, so we, we actually we always played him in soccer and we played him in baseball a few times in the playoffs. Football, we never met him, but. Um, I will say this, though. The year Jesuit won state in 2014, Acadiana won state that same year in the public school sector. I would have loved that matchup. I thought that would have been a fantastic matchup. But what year was they that? They had to split it. They had to split it. So we can't we will never know. What was the year? 2014. OK. Yeah, I don't even LHSAA. That cartel has split and gone back and split and this and that. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast cartel <laughs> <for> here <laughs> is a good way to describe it. No, I, I'm no glad comment. that they did the split after we were out of high school because man, we had some man, Acadiana high North. When I was in, when I was in high school, Northside was good in football. Uh, who was the running back that, that ended up going to the league? He played Keelan Williams. Keelan. Keelan was, yeah. I mean, they, they put out a couple of NFL guys. Well, my uh, freshman year, Jesuit played Lucas Taylor at Karen Crow uh, in Lucas, the quarterfinals. Lucas was they, the real deal, son. And they, they beat us pretty handily, but it was a great matchup. The week before, we had beaten East St. John and Ryan Perilou. So most of, like, our best matchups in the playoffs were public schools. I love playing public schools in the playoffs because you always played against a few guys that would either end up playing college football, some of which some of which went pro. Um, the year we won state in 14, we had Foster Morrow on the team. We had Kalaja Lipscomb played for Vanderbilt. You know, a few years before that, before the split, we had Deion Jones actually lost to Karen Crow again. That was when uh, Jalen Nixon was the quarterback there. Damn right you uh, did. Yeah, we had, uh, I'm trying to think, that same year, um, yeah, that was the big one. Foster Morrow was the big one. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I, it, like you said, it's for another podcast, but it just goes to show you the talent that comes out of here. Can I just state. go totally off topic real quick? About 30 seconds. Do it. We can't talk high school football without without saying rest in peace, Big Dave. Because Big Dave was a legend in high school football here. And You're going to get Jerry love, started. Dude, I love listening to his his broadcast. And he said, Bull Bridge versus St. Martinville. The Bull Bridge quarterback, he hands off the ball. Running back, breaks a tackle. He breaks another tackle. He's off to the races. 
Loss of six on the play. <laughs> I love Big Dave, hey, man. Jerry, then, Jerry, what was St. Martinville and Cecilia? What do they call it? The the something battle? Well, it was, okay. The so Civil War. Bro Bridge and yeah. Cecilia was the Civil okay, War. Okay, yeah. And, and for those who don't know, I actually did the games well, with they, Mike and Big Dave. They treated the like they treated that like it was the Super Bowl, dude. dude Him and Mike families, Bernard. Oh my! Families God. did not talk to each other. They would bet each other. Like they, I'd go get I'd go get lunch with Dave, and all of his friends would be betting on the game. Or man, I bet you'll play lunch next week. That Cecilia take care of Bro Bridge. I bet you'll play lunch that Bro Bridge being St. Martinville, and they go back and forth. And I really got exposed to That's so awesome. You know, hanging out with Big Dave. Dave and hanging out with Mike, uh, you know, Dave, Dave, I mean, I, I miss that man every day. I, I miss giving, you know, I miss calling him. I miss getting lunch with him. Dave was one of my biggest mentors just in life. Cause he was such a, he was such a larger than life figure as not only as a broadcaster, but just as a good person in the community. And, you know, one thing that I always enjoyed was sitting at lunch with Dave. It was, he was very old school, you know, and he would tell me all kinds of stories about when he coached AAU. But one thing he exposed me to was the tradition of high school football in Acadiana in this area and the players that came through the rivalries. And, and it was so funny seeing it up close because I didn't realize how serious high school football. I mean, look, in New Orleans, the Catholic League and the teams down there, we took it seriously. But it's it's a different it's a different brand of football here. And the passion is just as much or just as high as as in New Orleans. So, yeah, uh, Big Dave is a that man is a national treasure. He will always be a legend. I, I never got into high school football after high school, but the rivalries are special. They really are. I mean, the. The Cecilia Brobridge thing is a perfect example. Um, yeah. I still hate Karen Crow. <laughs> well, we hate you, too. We, we hate you, Karen too. <laughs> we hate everybody. Yeah, but, you know, and, and what makes it what made it cool back in the day was just the fact that um, the usually those rivalries, it's like Karen Crow and Acadiana. You would meet in the playoffs. You know, Brobridge and I think it was Brobridge and St. Martinville or Brobridge and Cecilia met in the playoffs a few times. You know, games that really made an impact on whether or not you ended up going to the Superdome. I remember Acadiana playing STM uh, in 2010 when Acadiana went to STM and shut them out. I've never felt an atmosphere that electric for a high school playoff game. I mean, I think Acadiana brought the entire city of Scott with them. And and uh, I think one of their running backs broke a big run. And you, you would have sworn that you were in Scott, to, to, you know, hearing the roar of the crowd. And it was just the atmosphere was just so electric. And I... That's what I love about high school football. I just love the the passion that these these fans have. I mean, you know, you two, you Josh, you went to Karen Crow, Nick, you went to Acadiana. But I tell you, uh, when they're doing well, I know you guys follow pretty closely. I'm sure, you know, just out of curiosity, just like I do with Jesuit, same thing. Yeah, real quickly on the high school front, I was a sophomore or a junior. Rummel came to Karen Crow. They brought in bleachers. So the legend is six thousand plus. And I don't know if it was the very next Saturday or the Saturday after, but the Cajuns played somebody, some some nothing school, and they didn't bring anybody. And I remember sitting at the Cajuns game. I was sitting on the hill, and somebody said, and they didn't. I had no affiliation whatsoever, and they said, "Ball, I was at that Karen Karama game. They got more people over there than that over here, ball." I I will never forget <laughs> that. Awesome. And I, I will be honest with you, it was more electric. At the, op- the open air crow dome, which is probably the dumbest thing in the history of sports, the open you can air Kyle Siebel for that. The open air crow dome, so <laughs> dumb. 
it was more electric that night. And we used to do the chaos committee and my buddies and I would paint our shirt, our chest and everything. That was us, by the way, chaos committee, if anybody's paying attention. Uh, we did the chaos committee. It was cold, like 40 degrees. And it was more electric in the open air crow dome than it was in Cajun's field, in Cajun field that Saturday or the following. So that's just an old memory that I had to relive talking about high school football. Um, yeah, who brought the who who brought the uh, car horn? Somebody always had a car horn at Karen Crow games. That was and Carl Gidry the entire game. Carl Gidry, how did you know that? I know everything. His wow. son played. He was son was a long snapper. Jake for the Cajuns years ago. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't I, know yeah, that. Yeah. Weird trivia in my yeah. head, man. I don't know. It just comes out sometimes. Look. So it, also for the audience, Nick had a great idea to do Cajuns trivia on one of the shows, and we're going to make that happen, especially during basketball season when there's nothing else to talk about. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, that should be a question. That would have been a perfect question. Would have been great. Uh oh, Boomer Internet striking again. Oh no, nope, we're back. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. High school football is very big in Lafayette. Doesn't really appeal to a lot of Cajun fans, but to people who have been around here a long time and understand the rivalries, it's a big deal. Um, so look. Anyway, good luck to Quib on the the Bullsworth Award. I hope that he wins it. I think he deserves it. He's going up against eighty other folks that probably also deserve it uh but of course we're biased so i quib has as good a chance as any before we start i'm gonna i'm gonna rifle through some complex news but i think the biggest news of the week and we can spend a couple minutes on that uh trey frazier has been tapped to lead the raging cajun athletic foundation this is the first hire since old uh ponce de leon went over to his new gig, which, by the way, I don't know what it is. Oh, Middle Tennessee, right? Lee DeLeon is over in Middle Tennessee doing whatever it is that he's doing. And we've been vacant in the RCAF AD chair or, or director chair for, I think, over a year now. Jerry, am I wrong on that? I think it's a year, maybe a little over a year. Lots of close to it. Yeah, lots of people wondering how that close was going to be it. handled. And there's been some rumor of restructuring of the RCAF, and I, I still think that that's going to happen. But... You know, we hired Trey Frazier. He's going to come in. Of course, he's going to be a deck, excuse me, a deputy AD. Uh, Brian Maggard's like, he likes to give the fundraisers that designation. I think it just helps them with the ability to move between RCAF and the athletic administration and be able to have some autonomy between the two. I think that's the reason for that. Not 100% sure, but that's my, that's the way that I view it. So Frazier does have a little bit of experience. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he's done major gifts at Missouri. He is a Missouri connection for people that are wondering. He spent four years at UAB. He's been at Virginia Tech for a couple years. Spent some time at Wisconsin, Ohio, like our former buddy uh, Jim Harris, Florida. Yes, the Florida, and he's done some work for Conference USA. So obviously not a young whippersnapper, but still young enough to be able to get out, have some energy, maybe kind of galvanize the fan base from a donation standpoint. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of praise going around for Trey, and we don't know him at all. Uh, we're actually trying to get him on the show, so hopefully that works out. We can all get to know him together. Guys, while I go over his bio, do you have any initial reactions to the hire? Uh, maybe thoughts on his connections to the Missouri Athletics Department? We've seen that work. We've seen it not. Uh, any thoughts while I go ahead and gather the rest of this information? 
Well, for starters, I'm glad that he has the experience he has on the resume. I mean, if you've been at Florida, you've been at Missouri, you've been at Virginia Tech, that's three P5s right there. You And I, from what I understand, if I'm not mistaken, while UAB was building that football stadium, he was at UAB at the time working behind the scenes to, I don't know if he was fundraising for it or handling whatever it was during that time well, where the project was going on. It does say that he helped complete capital projects for football operations center, 22 and a half million bucks. And also basketball practice facility at seven and a half, seven and a half million. And then a soccer stadium renovation at one and, a, and one, uh, one and a half million dollars, uh, additionally, two million for the track. So he was very involved in capital projects at uh, UAB. Well, and to be honest with you, that could not have come at a more perfect time with our football stadium project underway. Um, One comment I wanted to make, I'm glad that they finally created the position that combines the two between deputy AD and RCAF director. Uh, I know Nico Yanko took over as the RCAF director without the title per se. I think I want to say he might have been behind the scenes for a little while doing that. Um trying to kind of bridge the gap while they were trying to look for somebody. He kind of just went in and, you know, uh, took the role for a little while before taking the job at Murray State to be the AD. Um, So I'm glad now that you have the position that combines the two jobs. And now there's more more clarity. And that was kind of the big, I, I guess, criticism going in was the fact that before we, nobody could tell the difference. It's like, okay, who's the deputy, deputy AD? Who's being the RCAF director? I think this brings a little more clarity now, and that brings more structure to the RCAF. I mean, give credit to the guys at the RCAF. They've done a fantastic job with the lack of staff that they've had to deal with over the last year. Um, they have kept, you know, they have kept the machine going with the fundraising and all of their efforts to uh, to grow the brand so uh, kudos to them and it's nice to have Trey come in now and kind of help help with that so that's huge Um, looking forward to seeing what he can do if he's got this kind of resume and this type of experience that's going to be very useful moving forward especially like I said with that stadium project going on so I'm pretty fired up about this hire and uh, I wish him the best of luck and I look forward to, to meeting him yeah and I like the fact that he's got experience in in you know power five as well as in, in the G5, yep. you know, he's got, he, he understands what it's like to fundraise for SEC schools, but he also understands what it's like to fundraise for Conference USA schools and MAC schools. So uh, hopefully he's be, that'll be able to translate well into his new role here. Uh, my only hope is that the university gives him the tools to succeed and doesn't, you know, um, for lack of a better term, hold back. And I just hope that they give him everything that he needs to be successful here because it's proven he's he's had some success in his career. So uh, fingers crossed in that department, but excited to have somebody finally in that seat. I think that's huge for us going forward. Agree. I think that there are some things to like and some things not to like. Uh, I'm naturally skeptical and I'm going to tread lightly because there are folks in the RCAF that already think I'm a meanie, according to some of my co-hosts here. Uh, So I won't be a meanie. Uh, but I, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, there, there are a few things like, okay, here's one thing. This makes him likable to me. And also, it, it makes him more relatable. Frazier is a former student athlete. Played baseball at Dallas Baptist University. I think that's great. He earned his MBA from Ohio. So he was working and earned his MBA. I like that. Man of the people, right? One of us. I like that. 
I don't love the fact that he's a Mizzou connection. And at the end of the day, he is a Mizzou connection. That, I mean, we've, I've, I've confirmed that. I don't love that. We've got some that's worked out. We've got some that haven't. So it's a 50-50 proposition kind of in my mind. Um, but I did find something that was very interesting in the bio that I wanted to bring up. Now, he did spend four years at Virginia Tech. I said a few, but listen to this little excerpt. And if you guys want a little bit more in depth about uh, Trey Frazier, you can go and uh, look at RagingCajuns.com. There's a write-up. But there's an excerpt that was interesting to me. Uh, and I, I kind of want to get you guys' take before we do complex notes. Frazier spent four years at Virginia Tech with multiple roles inside the Virginia Tech Athletic Fund. In 2017, as the Director of Development, he was the co-leader of the team that implemented the Hokie Scholarship Fund Program, a brand new annual giving program consisting of a new per-seat donation model for football and men's basketball, a new priority point system, a new benefits deadline, and a new benefits chart. The program was instantly successful as an annual giving increased by 73% from $9.8 million to $17 million, an all-time record. Now, there's a couple of buzzwords in there that might give you a little pause. Number one, annual per-seat donation model for basketball. Did y'all catch that? I mean, if Virginia Tech might work. Top 25 top program they have a great facility they're known for winning they expect to win in the dance they have a history not exactly a comp for us i worry about that not actively worry but does that fit us could be yes could be no maybe he comes in here and adapts some of his programs and it works out for us i'm telling you right now with the health of our basketball program you might scare more people away with a purse seat donation a la bas- a, a baseball. In baseball, you pay that with no, I mean, it's no problem. You pay your you pay your RCAF donation because you want to go to the games. You want to see nationally ranked programs. It's a totally different deal. I'm not sure that that happens in basketball. But, I mean, just because it's in his bio that he did it doesn't mean he'll do it again. I mean, no, no, no. I don't. No, no, I don't I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah, that I, if we want to implement those things. It's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. But I also don't, I mean, and I'm sure you don't think this either. He's not coming in blind. Like he knows, and I'm sure Maggard's going to guide him in that direction with his ideas on, I want to slap a, you know, per seat donation requirement in basketball. I'm sure somebody in the department is going to be like, hey, <laughs> not, not, yeah, yeah, give it a second. So um, I, what I do like is that it seems innovative for, for the time. And, and again, that worked at Virginia tech. So that was an innovative increase in, in revenue for them. I want to see what innovative ideas he has for us that will work for us. I want to see that 73% increase, but it's, he's going to have to do it his own way. And, um, again, until he proves me, otherwise I'm get, give the guy a chance and let's see what happens. I will certainly give him a chance. Uh, again, he's a baseball player, so by default, I'm going to root for the guy. Yeah, in, instant fan. <laughs> instant I, I, instant fan. And we'll get to know him a little bit more when we get him on the show. I'm just going to point out what I know people are going to read and say, huh, probably not going to work. And I know he's going to adapt. I, I, I fully expect him to be able to adapt. But Jerry, I think Jerry will back me up. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just throw me under the bus. But there are some in fundraising... I'm not saying RCAF, just saying in fundraising, there are some in in, in RCAF, I mean, excuse me, in fundraising, that look at certain things as revenue generators, period. 
It doesn't matter what the circumstances are around those revenue generators. They're going to try to make it happen. I hope this guy doesn't come in with a stubborn mindset because this is not Virginia Tech. And I don't think he thinks it is. I'm just saying this you're going to have he's going to he's going to have to go through a full adaptation period where he sees what works and what doesn't. So I hope everybody out there has some patience. I'm going to certainly have to require myself to have some patience. Um, I just found that to be very, very interesting. Jerry, you're going to throw me under the bus. You're going to back me up. Well, I'll back you up here. We're a mid-major university. We're not we're not a P5. You don't just have a bunch of millionaires just write checks whenever you feel like it and pay for things right away. I mean, we're, we're just, we just don't have it. I mean, we've got our donors. We've got some good, some solid boosters, but not to the point where you ask, hey, I need to spend $10 million on this, and you have one or two donors just write a check. We, we don't have that. So um, I, I think you're right. He's going to have to adapt like anybody else that would come here. But I think if he has the experience he has on his resume, there's options out there that I think he's I'm sure he'd be willing to take and try to make it work here. Um, I'm not worried about that per se as much as I am him coming in, understanding the culture. And, and unfortunately, I'm going to say the 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 bad the bad phrase, but how we do things in a positive way, in an effective way, how we do things in an effective way. And, and learn and adapt to that. And, and I think if he does that and, and is able to meet people, communicate with our donors, communicate with our fans, and, and is able to learn from some feedback like that, I think it can, he can be successful here. I think anybody could be successful here if they're willing to do that. It's just a matter of, the, it's, it's communication. That's been our biggest, to me at UL in general for the longest time, communication's been the biggest roadblock because there's always been a misunderstanding somewhere along the lines of communications with the donors and fans. So we get that right. And we have somebody that has, like you said, takes time to adapt. I think we'll, he'll be fine. I tend to agree with you. I think it's really hard to do things a certain way in other parts of the country and then come here and think the model's going to work. I just think it's difficult. Trey, I'm rooting for you. Please I mean, break records with private donations. I hope you kill it. Um, I just wanted to put a little levity on it. That's all. That's all. Just saying. All right. News around the complex. Let's do that real quick. The ladies ended their soccer campaign uh, on the 27th at the same time that we, or actually right before that, you know, we lost to Southern Miss on national television on the gridiron. On the pitch, the ladies lost one nothing. Ending their season, they didn't qualify for the Sunbelt Championship Tournament. Tough. It was McBride's first season. Uh, you know, three seniors, three well-respected seniors are going to be missed. Uh, but tough season overall. Three wins, nine losses, and five draws overall. Went two, six, and two in Sunbelt play. Uh, one of our worst seasons in quite some time. You know... We've showed some promise in the past. We made a nice run a couple years ago with Coach Lance Key in the fold. He lost a lot of seniors and then ultimately lost his job. Uh, we won't go into that. Uh, everybody get up, get vaccinated, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but the girls' season comes to an end. Uh, it wasn't a great season. Probably learned a lot. There's a lot of young, uh, a lot of youth on the team. A lot of young people coming back that can make an impact. Just wasn't, didn't work. Just didn't work this year. He probably learned a lot on the job. It's his first year. Southern Miss 
really dominated the game. I mean, it really never was in doubt. I know it was only a one nothing spread, but uh, we had, I think, three shots on goal in the entire game. So not great. Uh, you give up a goal in the 26th minute, and then their defense just took over. <sighs> unfortunate, unfortunate into an unfortunate season. I still think McBride is a good coach. I think he has the program. I think the program's in good hands. I want to say that Lance Key was probably the worst hire that Brian Maggard has made so far. Not a lot of good stuff coming out of the program when Key left. Typically, that's how it happens when a head coach goes. All the bad stuff comes out right after. I think they recovered well to at least put it back together to be respectable. I don't think that anybody expected to lose nine games this year. Here we are. Uh, not a whole lot of positive. So I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. I hope the ladies come back and have a strong season in 2023. But right now, it's uh, it's not good. Uh, we went to a couple games this year as we did last year. I enjoy watching the team. I think that we lack punch on the offensive side. We When we push forward, we don't really scare anybody. I think that we struggle to keep possession. And I think that we have a little bit of a problem defensively with regard to effort. Uh, that's what I saw. I think a lot of that has to do with youth. So some things that we can correct, uh, all things that can be corrected and fixed in the portal and in recruiting. doesn't matter how young you are. If you find talent, they're going to compete in the Sunbelt Conference. Like you said, it, it was a disappointing season. I, um, I'll continue watching them when they're on stream, but uh, I, I just feel like hopefully they just get this, this reset in, in the soccer program, because again, we've, we've got all the resources at Louisiana to have a winning soccer team and program. And so just my hope is that, uh, is that we're headed in the right direction because we, we, we have the resources to do it. I, I just think we need to put the pieces together. Yeah. It's a next point. Um, just need one breakout season this year. It didn't go our way. Uh, the circumstances were kind of odd. I think that's a good way to describe it or just kind of weird. And, you know, you bring Coach McBride in. And, look, I like Coach McBride. I mean, he's, he's, he's got the passion. He's had success at Southeastern. But killer, the killer accent, too. It's killer. Yeah, the, our, our favorite Scott, right? But it's just it was odd circumstances of him coming in and, and Coach Key leaving. And I think that might have kind of thrown a wrench in, into the program this year. And it showed on the pitch. So I'm willing to give it another few years and see what happens. Maybe we can correct some things and not have as many distractions going into this off season to where we can kind of improve next year a little bit. But even in spite of that, how many draws did we have? You said Josh five. Yeah. Five draws. Yeah. I mean, overall, what if those, what if, what if those were wins instead? Right. I mean, that, that makes a difference. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not down on this team yet. I just think the circumstances in the offseason, plus letting Coach McBride kind of have his his entire offseason to him to for just basically just him rather than worrying about a coaching hire, I think is going to make a difference next year. Um, we have talent. The girls are talented. It's just putting it together and making it work. So now that he can kind of put his own staple on next season we'll see if we can show improvement and if we do great i think i think we still have a chance to be on an upper trajectory yeah i i like your your point about uh it was weird circumstances and it, it was a rushed thing and we found a good coach with you know all that happening i think once he's settled he can get his regimen in they can have a real off season i think things will turn around um one thing that i took away from his press conference on the 24th i believe effort is not a problem with this team 
you know, want to is not a problem. It's they care. It is just having the right people at the right positions and and really getting to know each other. They're still very young. Three seniors. Okay. I mean, it's a big deal. So everybody be on the lookout for Raging Cajun soccer. It's going to come back with a vengeance. I like McBride a whole lot. Moving to softball, excuse me, volleyball. Uh, the Cajuns are coming off of two weekend Sunbelt Conference sweeps against ODU, who is a very ex- uh, respectable team, and ULM, who typically is pretty good in, in volleyball as well. So those are two really strong sweeps. They're going to finish up their home slate in EK Long this week, uh, Thursday and Friday. Thursday, they will have uh, their whiteout game. So if you go to see the Cajuns play at EK Long, free admission, wear white. You're going to get a towel and do the terrible towel thing. On, on Friday, uh, they're going to honor the seniors. Uh, this is some very successful girls that have been in the program a very long time. Go honor them. Both matches will start at 6, Thursday and Friday. They will be playing against... They're going to be playing against Southern Miss. Of course, they're going to play Southern Miss. Southern Miss is at the top of the Western standings. They're 16-8, and 8-4 eight, eight and four in the Sun Belt. Uh, the Cajuns make their push to the postseason. Uh, good volleyball, very high-energy environment. The competition is outrageous. The, the, uh, you know, I say it's the most electric environment in Raging Cajun athletics. Uh, we've gone to two, I think, two matches this year, uh, all within the last month. It's, it's not, I can't describe on the, on the show how electric it is. You just have to go in there. They've got, you got fans on the other end talking noise and trash. Texas State brought like half the city. I mean, it was bizarre and nuts all at the same time, and it's a lot of fun. There's never a dull moment. Uh, there's not a lot of downtime at all. I think that you guys would have a really good time just going check out the V-Ball team. Uh, Christy Gray's got that place rocking. And this team can make a real push. They can win a Sunbelt Conference championship, and they can get into the tournament and make some noise. So the program is built on a great foundation from Heather Mazetas Fontenot now. Uh, she did a great job to build up that program. The, the renovation looks fantastic in EK Long if you haven't been. Everybody needs to go check it out. Uh, highly recommend the experience. If you guys haven't been, you need to. If you have, comments. Well, I haven't been, but I will say... Yeah, I do. I, I'm not a volleyball fan, but man, I catch myself looking forward to watching them on on uh, ESPN Plus because, like you said, Josh, it's electric, it's loud, and I find myself getting into it. and And I've never gotten into into volleyball before. So, um, again, kudos to to Coach Mazetas Fontno. I can't, I still can't get used to that, but kudos to her. Look, a, Coach Gray came in after a similar weird situation where she just announces her retirement and we're like, what top 25 team. Oh, by the way, I'm retiring. Yeah. So which great for her. Great for her. Yeah. So kudos to coach gray. She's uh, she was left a a program that is solid. And, and of course it takes some time to get your, 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 we saw it with coach Deggs this year. You got to get your system in place and you got to get things going your way. Uh, But man, okay. Long Jim looks amazing. The, the volleyball team, they can, like you said, they can beat anyone on the schedule the rest of the season. They can make a run for it. So uh, it's it's fun to watch. I I will watch any sport that is fun to watch. And and when you're winning and when you're competitive, not even winning, just competitive in every ma- match and have a chance and have the support of the fans, I'll, t- I'll take that every time. 
Yeah, job well done on the renovations too. I mean, EK Long is it's almost like a historic landmark at this point, and the way they've renovated it, it looks brand spanking new from the inside, all the way from the, the actual floor to the players' lounge in the locker room. And so, uh, kudos to to the administration for getting that done. I, I I haven't been to a volleyball game this year yet, only because it's difficult for me to go in the afternoons. Um, but I've had the chance to watch some of the games on. On, on ESPN plus and I tell you the atmosphere you know 1500 fans inside of Earl K Long can sometimes sound like 15,000 fans and so the environment the atmosphere the energy that's in that place seeing the fans uh, react to every little thing that goes on on the court it's 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 impressive you know I've had the chance to watch a few women's basketball games when they've been playing in Earl K Long and they're there, it's a lot of energy. So I can about imagine, um, you know, Coach Gray's got a great thing going for this program. You know, they're getting better. They're on the up and up. Once she gets this team competing like a Texas state where, you know, we're we're the ones that are leading in the Sun Belt, I can only imagine how much more energy and, and noise will be in that place. And hopefully, you know, in the next couple of years when my daughter grows up, she'll like volleyball because it'll give us an excuse to go more, right? So, uh, but right now, uh, we've been, we, we've had the chance to watch a few games from the house and it's it's been a lot of fun. We're, we might try to go this weekend, uh, send the seniors off on a, hopefully on a, on a, with a W, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. And Josh, I, we, you know, I appreciate your feedback on it as well kind of give us some input on on the on the atmosphere there also jerry let's not forget that the late td smith is the one who coined the phrase historic earl k long gem so uh so td still showing his mark on cajuns athletics he will always show his mark on cajun athletics like just like big dave was a legend td smith is a legend i mean look one time my friend made a comment this is when i just moved to lafayette now i used to of course as you all know i'd come to the games as a kid and i knew td's voice like everybody else but he's on the radio doing an ad and my friend just kind of looked at me he goes oh by the way this guy he's the voice of lafayette i'm like well i already knew that but yeah Kudos to uh, our friend, the late T.D. Smith. Absolute legend. And you're right. E.K. Long looks fantastic. You walk in and you just know there's an event going on here. It's cool. And you still got Bobby Nava doing the thing where he's hollering stuff you can't understand. I love that, man. No, yeah, it's, it's good. Amazing. It's good. It's he really good. He was my spotter when I did a, I announced football um, a couple years ago, and he was my spotter. I, he's just the coolest cat. He really is, and and it's no knock on Bobby. The syst- the uh, They updated everything except the sound system in there, and when he's hollering during the games, he's like, that's what it sounds like. So we really need to turn those speakers toward the crowd because you Look, can't hear that's, shit. That's part of my um, that's part of my winning the the, the Powerball deal. Like I'll I'll yeah. get that taken care of for you. New sound system at EKL, and we're going to sponsor the new Cajun Field. By the way, if anybody if anybody's interested to know what we're going to do with our <laughs> Powerball winnings. Anyway, before we get to the fun part about baseball and and softball, just crushing. Uh, I had to give a shout out to my golf guys, man. Uh, Went out to Hawaii, the Ka'anapali Classic Collegiate Invitational at Royal Ka'anapali Golf Club. Kazuntite. Yes, I'm sorry. I probably butchered that. It is what it is. Uh, we had a couple of guys just go banana sandwich. Uh, and we, I, I mentioned this on social, so if you, you follow me, you already know that I, I probably went overboard. Uh, our buddy Eli Ortigo posted a school record 8-under 63 to vault up 25 spots on the final day of the tournament. Uh Buddy went between holes seven and 15. He went seven under. 
no bogeys, an eagle. Uh, I think it was four, five birdies, something like that. Uh, th- between holes seven and 15. I mean, just completely dom- dominated. He ended up with an eight under, like 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 I mentioned. Um, so, and so did Charlie Flynn, who, friend of the pod, he listens. I know Charlie a little bit. Uh, I've seen him around Oakbourne. Charlie went out and shot a 65, which it helped the team. And, and there are others. I don't want to get too far into the, into the weeds on it, but there are others. The team finished fourth. It's our highest finish in I don't know how long in a, in a collegiate classic. It's been a long time since we actually posted a number, especially on a final day uh, in, a, in a tournament like that. So shout out to Raging Cajuns Golf. I know they get a little bit of, of hate because, you know, people want to win, and I understand golf is hard. Golf is hard. Uh, so if you don't play, just letting you guys know, golf is freaking hard. Uh, but I always try to prop him up when I can. Theo Sliman has done a good job of, of really elevating the, recru- elevating the recruiting over the last few years. The facilities that we've gotten have helped. Um, I really like Charlie Flynn as a player. Uh, I mean, we know names like Peter Hennett and uh, Fernando Cruz Valley and guys like that. Uh, those are names that we've all known. Eli's a young guy. He's going to post some numbers for this program. Charlie's going to continue to play good golf. Charlie played in the, in the USAM, if anybody remembered that, the US Open. He, he qualified. So we, we have legitimate golfers on this squad that come February. Uh, don't be surprised if they're going to be at the top of those leaderboards. I'll be a little bit disappointed if they're not. Uh, any golf comments, and then we'll go to baseball. I got nothing. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that was a good rundown, man. Um, always good to have a good performance, no matter where it is. So good job. Great job, guys. Great job. <laughs> All right. I'll try my best to fit more golf in. Sorry, everybody. Now. It's never too late or too early to talk a little baseball. Especially last weekend. Especially when you do what you did against a team that we love to hate. I mean, look. At their house, by the way. Look, I know it's fall ball. I know it's scrimmage. I know a lot of it's situational. I know that we're trying to look at pitchers and we're trying to look at newcomers. And I get all of that. I still get to get excited when we rip off 20 hits. Well, I think in total, 27 hits over 16 innings. Uh that's production. Four homers, uh, several extra base hits. I don't even remember how many. Or 12, 12 of the 28 hits that we got. It was 28 hits. 12 of the 28s to 28s were with two outs. You got newcomers like Luke, Luke Uhas, John Taylor constantly showing up on, on the stat sheet. CJ Willis still hitting the ball over the place. You got Will Vayon coming off the bench hitting a two-run Titanic blast. Carson Rockefort hitting home runs like he does. Every single one is beautiful. Probably because he has he has the best swing. Uh, that that left-handed power stroke that looks like he doesn't try is just it's Griffey-esque. I just love it. You have our future All-American Julian Brock, four for six with three RBIs in those 16 innings, and he didn't play all of them. You know. You, you, you got guys like Blake Marshall coming in, guys that we want to see on the mound that we know can can produce. We've been waiting on him to be healthy. He finally is. He looks great. Dylan Toy comes out and dominates. Jake Hammond comes out and dominates. Uh, we got a new Moody on the team who has filthy stuff. Uh, we got Tate, the uh, the transfer from, from uh, Tulane. Didn't he come from Tulane, Jerry? Ben Tate? Yeah, I think it was either Tulane or Ole Miss. Didn't, didn't Ole Miss give us McGee? Yes, yes, I believe that's Yeah, that's so correct. Tate comes yeah. in and pitches against his old guys, and, I mean, he, he spends it all right. You know, uh, there's there's still a lot to be to be seen. Max Marshak doing his thing. Heath Hood, to me, I'm just going to go on a limb in the fall and say Heath Hood might also be uh, All-American material. He looks absolutely fantastic, and he's healthy, 
finally. You can tell he's got an extra step. He's doing even more in, in the outfield to make people look foolish with his catches and his arm. Uh, he's, he's wreaking havoc at the plate. Kyle DeBar still hitting with two outs. Uh, a guy that I really like a whole lot, Mason Zombo. I want him to just jump up and, and grab that first base position. I really want to see a big, you know, corner bat just solidify that, that first base role. We haven't had that since Compton, probably. I want to see somebody jump up, get that job, keep that job. Um, you saw Higgs get a lot of at-bats in the inner squads. He's got a couple of bats in two, at Tulane. A lot of very, very encouraging things. Caleb Stelly, a, a, a young guy, a freshman, comes in, has some really nice at-bats. I, I just love the makeup of this team. I don't know how good we're going to be. I think we're going to be good. I always think we're going to be good. Uh, but I have a little bit of evidence to back up my theory that we're going to be good. You saw the, the, the at-bats. You saw the effort. You saw all the things you wanted to see. You saw Tommy Ray. You saw Peyton Havard. You saw David Christie go out and dominate for an inning and a half. You get David Christie going. I mean, that bullpen starts to get lengthened. If we can pitch just a little bit, if we can find a couple of guys to pitch Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then we're going to be a handful. That's the yeah. big question. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Jerry. Like, if we need consistency in our in our pitching staff, especially our bullpen, if we can get some consistency there, I mean, look at what where we started the season, where we were even concerned about making our conference tournament, and then here we are, here we are winning the winning the damn tournament and, and making a regional. Uh, and I think I think consistency later in the season kind of um, made that happen. But when you look at what we have returning this season, as far as as far as the bats. I mean, that's scary, right? That's scary good. And then, again, you just need, you don't need to have a dominating pitching staff. You just need a pitching staff that's consistent. You know what you're going to get from guys. You got starters that will give you five, six innings uh, at a minimum and then try to get deeper into the into the ball game. If we get some consistency there, and I trust in Thibodeau, he's going to get some of his players in over the course of, of this season and, and the, the following seasons, I think we'll be in good spot. Uh, but again, our first step was was getting into a regional last season. Every year you want to raise that bar. So we want to we want to make some noise, you know, this year. Uh, so, again, it's it, it's just a scrimmage. I get that. And and who knows what, sure. what Tulane was pitching against us. But when you see how the bats performed last season as a whole and then coming in and just dominating in a scrimmage. That's fun. It'll be interesting to see what we do against LSU because they've got some talent on their team, obviously, as well. So that should be fun to watch. I see shades of 2013, if that makes sense. Not 2014, but 2013. Um, you have a lot of veteran players coming back that made an impact the year before. Now, granted, the difference was we came off a 23 and 30 season in 2012, but you still had a lot of returning starters that came back and got a year under their belt. I saw the same thing last year. Fortunately for us, we won the Sun Belt and went and made noise at the College Station Regional. So actually, we're in better shape. But I see a team that doesn't I see a team that won't have to find an identity offensively. I think we'll start out with a bang from game from weekend from week one all the way through the season, barring injuries. The big question mark, like you guys said, is the pitching staff. Give me a solid weekend rotation, a consistent weekend rotation, and give me some decent bullpen guys. And I'm telling you, and maybe this is me 
being a, being just a fan, but I think this team can really contend for not only a regional, but competing to host a regional if they're able to find uh, a consistent uh, weekend rotation and a, a consistent pitching staff because I think the bats will definitely be there. When you mention guys like Max Marshock, Heath Hood, Kyle DeBarge, Carson Rockefort, uh, Julian Brock, C.J. Willis, even Mason Zambo, right? Everybody has high hopes for him. People have high hopes for Higgs. I mean, these guys are all back. They're all back. You saw how they finished last year. All those guys, their bats came alive when it counted, and they're back. I mean, getting Julian Brock back was huge. You know, we feared that he would leave, and of course we lost Tyler Robinson to the draft, which I totally understand. But getting a guy behind the plate, a leader behind the plate like Julian Brock, getting... You know, having Max Marshak, hopefully if he's healthy, come back. Heath Hood, his bat got better as time went on. I mean, they're all back. Offensively, I I expect this team to hit the ball and score some runs. The question is, do we have the pitching to halt the runs? I know we have the defense to do it, but as long as we find the pitchers, guys, this year or 2023 is going to be a blast. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait for that scrimmage against LSU. I mean, you go to New Orleans, you play a hot two-lane team, you hang 16 runs on them at their house. That's exciting. Even though it's fall ball, that's still, I'm ecstatic about that. So we're going to find out what we have. I know LSU's got a lot of talent. They went in the portal and just, you know, went, went shopping. and they're LSU have a good team. sucks. But it's going to be fun to see what we look like against them on November 13th. So to all you fans listening, November 13th, I believe first pitch is at noon at the Teague. The uh, the vaunted Louisiana State Baton Rouge Tigers come to town. It's free admission. You show up, you sit where you want. I'd probably get there early because I do. we do expect a good crowd if the weather's good. Let's see what this team can do. They, they I, I think they can uh, perform well. But I'm excited about this baseball team, guys. I'm so fired up. I can't wait. They're probably going to uh, pitch their starter like 175 pitches against us and break them in the fall. Let them. Yeah. That's Let what em. they do. Or that's Let what the coach does. That's all right. Let them. Let them. Jay Johnson's going to break people's arms in a fall scrimmage. Hey, but that's fine. That's what they do. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I think you can bring a nice chest. So, you know, try to, what I'll do, I'll just, you know, wear cargo shorts and just shove stuff in your cargo shorts. Nobody's going to take anything. It'll be no fun. No shorts, though. That's a Florida thing. <laughs> I don't want to be anything related to Florida. What about no Kyle? Jorts. Can Kyle wear his jorts? I mean, it's Kyle. He can do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> right. No, but you score 21 runs in 16 innings against a decent two-lane team. Uh, yeah, I think that's something to be excited about. And Deggs won at Sam Houston, not with dominant pitching. He beat you at the plate. If you can find some guys that are competent, guys that won't just burn it down, I think you can win. I think we have guys in the program that can pitch. And if we get lucky, maybe we get a couple of guys that are dominant on Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday. You never know. You never know. Just uh, I, I think that they did a, you know, one thing that we really never gave a lot of credence is that Seth Thibodeau did a really nice job with a staff that was a lot of moving pieces, couple injuries, couple guys that didn't pan out. And, and they really made a little bit of magic, especially down the stretch. Now, pitching is ultimately why we didn't beat A&M in that game. And, you know, I think we were an arm short of winning that game. And then even if we would have won the game, we didn't have enough pitching to get us through. And I think we all kind of knew that. I'm still proud of our effort. I thought we got every ounce of, of success out of that, the roster that we had, which is why I'm excited about this year. This year, I think you were able to go out and address what you needed to. 
And I, the guys that came back, you made a comment about Julian Brock. Having Julian Brock back changes everything. He is the cornerstone of this team. There is no if, and, or but about it. He's the cornerstone. He's going to drive the bus. He, I can tell you at the inner squads and at practice, you can just tell he is the coach on the field. There, nobody questions that guy. So it'll be fun to watch. Go ahead, Jerry. Oh, and he picked off, I think, four batters for Tulane. Yes, I, I saw that. I tried to steal. I saw that. off like four or five. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, that, that helps a lot. But you know, that AM game last year, one out, one out, four runs. You just get right. one more out, you save four runs. That's how close we were last year. Just imagine this year. I'll say what I said then. We were the better team for seven innings. We were one arm short, and that's, that goes back to your point about the four runs with one out. A good arm gets that out. And I'm not saying, the, you know, I'm not saying anything about, uh, about Preacher Man, all right? That's not a knock. I just think that he's never the same when you bring him back on one-day rest, or, or no-day rest, really. He never was as effective that second time out. You know, look at Texas State, it happened. Look at Georgia Southern, it happened. He's never, he, he showed all season that he's not the same guy the second time out. But I understood why you had to use him. That was your option there. And you had to go and try to win it there, and it just didn't work out. So credit to everybody that, that I mean, dude, they battled. They left their, their guts out on that field. We were one arm short of winning that game and uh, ultimately competing on, on a championship, maybe Saturday night, maybe Sunday. I might have jumped the gun, but I got to give a shout out to softball too. 31 runs against LSUE in their scrimmage. Now, you see, I was going to bring up softball, but I was going to do it on the back end because they played LSUE. You know, I know it's competition, but it's also, you know, it, LSUE. It's LSUE. <laughs> but no, that's cool. Let's give them, let's give them a shout out. I, 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 expect, I expect Jerry's team uh, to score runs just like they did. I expect them to do that. Uh, Got bitten by the injury bug again last year. Hopefully, we're due for a, or a successful season with regard to health, right? Um, Sam's back. She's probably the ace of the staff, right? Uh, this, is Kendra, was Kendra a senior last year? No, maybe so. If she's back, she's a great number two. I know they have Shorman back. They've got some options that were young, learning. Uh, I don't know what they did in the portal. I really haven't paid attention, to be totally honest. Again... Just like with with Deggs, if you can pitch a little bit, just give me give me one pitcher that can get me through a Friday. You never know, but they're gonna hit their way to victory. That's just gonna have. To, I know he likes to be aggressive on the base pass, and I know defense is always gonna kind of be up in the air. But at the end of the day, they're gonna score runs to win. So we'll see. We'll see. Man, I tell you what. Man, I tell you what. What now? That's the question most of us have been asking since last Thursday night when the Cajuns fell short to Southern Miss in a renewed rivalry matchup by the score of 39-24. In the last two weeks leading up to the game, it seemed like the Cajuns were finding some momentum and playing the right brand of football to make a run at a conference championship. But as of right now, that run may seem to be coming to an end. But all hope is not lost. We still have four games to play, and we still control our destiny in the hunt for a winning season and a bowl berth. And we still have a chance to make a run and send our seniors out on a winning note, which leads me to my next point. This coming Saturday, the team will face the Western Division leader, Troy Trojans, at Cajun Field. But what's special about this game is the fact that it will also be Senior Day, one home game early. 
For Cajun Nation, this is an opportunity to show up and show out to not only cheer for the Cajuns, but also thank the seniors in person for choosing to represent us these last four years and also giving us quite possibly the greatest run in our football program's history. Without these group of seniors, we do not see the success of top 25 rankings. We do not see the success of multiple bowl wins, and we do not see the success of our first outright conference championship in over 50 years. And even though some may see this season as one where we have fallen short of our goals, it does not take away the hard work and effort that these seniors have put in day in and day out for all of us. And for me, I think they deserve that recognition in return. So man, I tell you what, it's time we gather as fans on Saturday to help play a part in finishing this last stretch of the season on a strong note. So go tailgate. Have some fun interacting with friends. Go into the stadium. Cheer our team on to victory. But most of all, thank these seniors on a wonderful four-year journey of putting this program on the national map. See you Saturday, Cajun Nation. Go Cajuns. Sick, Jerry. Well done. Thank you. Remember, senior night. It's not the last home game, but it's the last Saturday home game. So everybody remember that. Very important. And go out and say thanks. Just like Jerry said. Listen to Jerry. Jerry knows. Yeah, I, I give some good advice sometimes, you know. Time to time. Yeah. Unless it's tech, then no, he does not. Or internet <laughs> or internet service providers. Yeah. yeah. No, Do not that, listen that, to Jerry on that. I, I am I'm like a caveman when it comes to that. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, some good games in the Sun Belt this weekend, football-wise. Marshall and Old Dominion are locking up. Georgia State and Southern Miss are entertaining each other. I think Southern Miss walks through that one. Uh, Georgia Southern and South Alabama going to be a good game. Uh, Georgia Southern is a lot better than people think. They can score. Uh, obviously, Troy and Louisiana, everybody be out there at 6. Texas State, UL Monroe, the toilet bowl. Should be fun. Not. James Madison going on the road to check out Louisville for some FBS action. So everybody be watching the Sunbelt Conference this week. Should uh, should present some interesting games. Always does. Sunbelt's been fun this year. Uh, other than that, guys, I want to thank Dante. I want to thank Git Gordon and the team over there. It's been a good time. Jerry, nice man, I tell you what. I'm sorry that uh, McCullers tip pitches, but look, you've rebounded, Astros fans. So something to be happy about, something to smile for. If you, uh, if you guys like what we do, Please subscribe. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, The Gram, Twitch, and all that other stuff. We'll be out here spreading the Cajun love. Go Cajuns. We'll see you for senior night Cajun Field this Saturday. And go Mermaids, by the way. I didn't get to give my update, but it's coming. <laughs>